October 24th, 2010, the First Church in Parish in Dedham, Ethical Eating by the Reverend Raleigh Weaver. The opening words this morning came from my great-grandmother's Boston Cooking School cookbook, written by Fanny Merritt Farmer, who was considered perhaps the most influential culinary authority at the turn of the 19th and 20th century. Fanny Farmer, who was born in Medford, Massachusetts in 1857, revolutionized cooking in my great-grandmother's day by forming a more systematized view of food pr preparation. Her book described the chemical makeup of food, introduced standardized measuring instruments and nutritional information, which had not previously been con a concern for most homemakers. Growing up in rural Arkansas, as my great-grandmother Nellie Maud Ford did, concerns of nutrition were secondary to issues of what food would be available and where it would come from. Looking through her 1906 Boston Cooking School cookbook, I was surprised by the recipes my great-grandmother had marked. Recipes for making mayonnaise, how to prepare dandelion greens and frog legs were among her obvious favorites. And this started me thinking how dramatically food preparation has changed over the past 50 to 100 years. Our grandparents and great-grandparents relied mainly upon foods that were grown locally and were in season. They made everything from scratch. Food pre preparation took much more time and planning. Many of us rely on foods that are processed and prepared for us. We read labels to make sense of ingredients, and we rarely have time to make anything from scratch. The introduction to her cookbook, Fanny Farmer encourages the reader to consider that food can nourish us in healing ways when we make educated decisions about what we eat. Hippocrates, the father of Western medicine, who was born in 460 BC, is credited with being the first person to believe that diseases are caused naturally and not as a result of superstition or God's wrath. The Hippocratic Oath attributed to him continues to be a central promise made by doctors who practice ethical medicine. Hippocrates is equally famous for saying, Let food be thy medicine, and medicine be thy food. How might we view differently how our food is grown and where it comes from if we understood food to be our medicine? What we have time to eat, and what we can afford to eat, and what we are attracted to eat often play more part in our dietary choices than what will make us healthy to eat. To eat ethically, we must start by making sense not only of what is in our food, but where our food comes from, how long it takes to get to us, and what is involved in manufacturing it. When I am stressed and overwhelmed, one of my guilty pleasures is playing computer games. Back in the early 90s, when computers were a bit more rustic and I worked as a teacher for children with severe behavior problems, I would come home from work each day and play a basic arcade shooting game on my computer called Meat Gone Bad. In the game, you have a mustard bottle that you use to kill green germs that drop off falling bologna and salami and hot dogs. In retrospect, I'm not sure that wasn't a reality game. These days, I am more partial to strategy games. A friend's daughter recently introduced me to a website called AddictingGames.com, where I found a new meat game called Burger Tycoon. 
Burger Tycoon is a strategy game where you have a field for raising cattle and for growing corn, a barn for keeping the cows and feeding them grain, a store for selling the fast food, and a corporate headquarters for advertising, keeping track of profits and losses, while bribing politicians and health department workers to stay in business. The game feels a bit like juggling, and there are countless issues such as fertilizer, antibiotics for the cows, the killing of diseased cows, and the firing of disgruntled employees who spit into the food to make take into consideration in order to master the game. It doesn't take long in playing to forget that the company you are managing is in fact manufacturing something people put into their bodies, and if you aren't careful and bribe the right politician, you might be closed down for poisoning your customers. I bring this up to you today because much of the food that comes to us through our supermarkets goes through an equally complicated process and as a result is probably about as far from being true nourishment as a corporate tycoon is from a fast food employee. To start, most of the food that we eat travels an average of 1500 miles before it reaches the store shelves, which means it is traveling in a truck for more than a day to get to your stomach. This might not be an issue for a bag of pretzels, but would you what do you think three to five days does to a bag of apples or a head of lettuce or a chicken or a steak? My mother used to be a big organic gardener. In our backyard she grew everything from strawberries to corn. In the summertime, my mother used to start a pot boiling on the stove and then go outside to pick the corn and run back into the house shucking it just to put it in the pot as close to the time it was harvested as she could. And man, I'll tell you, that was the best corn in the whole wide world. Part of the reason we eat so many cooked vegetables today is because they aren't as fresh as they could be when they reach our homes and we need to cook them to make them more edible. But I can assure you that everything from beans to beets right from the garden can be eaten raw and taste more delicious than any store-bought and cooked anything. If your family grows their own produce or you grew up in a family that did, you know what I'm talking about. Many people believe that the reason that homegrown vegetables taste better than the store-bought ones is because the homegrown vegetables contain more nutrients. Industrial farmers have for generations been using chemical fertilizers to keep food, the soup, food supply going. I remember when I was in high school being taught the value of these chemical engineering advances to reduce the need for rotation of crops and saving the farmer money. Unfortunately, the rest of the story is that synthetic fertilizers weaken crops and make them more susceptible to disease and insects, which in turn creates a need for pesticides in large commercial vegetable growing, and the mass use of pesticides and fertilizer depletes the vitamins and minerals even more, so it seems natural that local small farm grown vegetables taste better and fresh is cheaper. Do you know that in the United States a pound of potato chips costs 200 times more than a pound of potatoes? Of course it does. Think of the cost of the four peas. 
packaging, processing, product, and people. Potatoes require very little packaging, very little processing, very few people, and no product name, while potato chips require a great deal of all four. This gets me to the other side of the issue, and that is time. Very few of us have the time my great-grandmother did to gather dandelion greens and frog legs or even to make our own potato chips or bake our own bread. Now imagine you are a two-parent working family with two or three children. Imagine you are each working for just above minimum wage. Perhaps you live in subsidized housing, even so most of your paycheck is spent on housing and clothing and gas to get to work. What do you feed your children? What can you afford? What do you have time to prepare? Industrial produced foods with the least nutritional value and cause weight gain and heart disease and cancer are economically more affordable. Eating at fast food restaurants is cheaper and faster than preparing food at home. Looking at this scenario, it is easy to see how our country has systematized obesity in our underemployed and working families. This is the juggling act at play when we talk about ethical eating. It is, is it ethical to shop at full, Whole Foods and use my dollars only where I can find organic and locally grown produce and free-range chicken and cows that will keep me healthy while disenfranchised Americans can only shop at Star Market? Is it ethical for me to eat fresh produce at all when those who shop at the food pantry have to rely on commercially canned and mass-produced food-like substances for nourishment? And in the end, aren't we all suffering the same maladies from our unhealthy and inadequate food system? How many of you are or know someone who has heart disease? Or how about cancer? Or what about diabetes? Heart disease, diabetes, and many forms of cancer are linked to poor diet and exercise habits. For someone who has struggled her lifetime with weight, I can say for certain that it isn't as easy as unplugging from unhealthy food and plugging into healthy food to heal a disease or to prevent a disease or to become a healthy weight. But it is a start. The value of eating certain foods for health has been common knowledge longer than humans have known what vitamins were. Ancient Egyptians encouraged the eating of liver for patients with night blindness, a logical choice since liver is rich in vitamin A and is now proven as a cure for night blindness. In 1749, the surgeon James Lind promoted the use of lemons and limes to cure scurvy, a common malady in sailors of his day. But even into the 19th century, scurvy was considered to be a result of poor hygiene, lack of morale among sailors, as well as the effects of tainted and canned food, instead of a direct result of the lack of fresh food and vitamin C. The potential healing benefits of vitamins and minerals versus their possible dangers is an age-old debate. However, to eat ethically, I do not believe that we need to take sides. What we need to do is consider the three F's, the flavor, the finance, and the fee. As I see it, the fee is not just the cost. How much it costs us is only the first consideration. 
When food is prepared in a factory, we must consider all the fees as well. What is the price of the packaging on the environment? What is the expense of the fertilizers or pesticides or chemical processes on the workers in the factories and on the environment? In the past 50 years, the food industry has become increasingly more mechanized and commercial, with only a handful of large companies controlling a large global food system. There are fewer and fewer regulatory systems and less and less oversight, and as I see it, there are countless fees that have accrued that will be billed to generations after us. Cows who were born to eat grass are force-fed corn, resulting in outbreaks of the E. coli virus. Chickens are slaughtered in half the time, but are twice as big. In fact, thanks to modern science, a chicken that used to take three months to reach maturity is now full-grown in 49 days. Both cows and chickens are given growth hormones such as estrogen and progesterone and testosterone to promote rapid weight gain. According to a fact sheet, Breast Cancer and the Environmental Risks from Cornell University, there have been reports all over the world that girls are experiencing the early onset of puberty at the age of 8 and younger. While no studies have proven that these, the use of these hormones is the cause of early onset puberty, we have to ask what are the hidden costs of the massive use of growth hormones. To eat ethically, there are things we must consider. What is the harm to the workers? What is the sacrifice to the animals? What is the cost to the environment? What environmental debt are we racking up for our children? In the United States, 16 million children are living in households where food is considered to be insecure. In a land of so much abundance, there is something wrong when so many children go to bed hungry. Just last week, the United the Washington, D.C. school district, one of the poorest school systems in our nation, announced that it is now offering three meals per day to students in order to combat hunger and obesity. The question of whether taking $5.7 million of educational monies to feed children a cafeteria-style dinner is a better use of those monies than paying more teachers and buying more textbooks will, I'm sure, be debated for a very long time. But I think the larger and more vital question as we are considering eating ethically ourselves is how do we feed the masses of hungry people in our community, our country, and throughout the world? When we consider food to be our medicine, as Hippocrates suggested, where food comes from, how it is distributed, and what we eat, and what is offered for everyone to eat, becomes a complicated juggling act with no easy answers. When I began my research for this sermon, I thought I was going to recommend a vegetarian and veganism, as Alicia Silverstone does in her book, because these are avenues I have been exploring for my own health and well-being. But as I have continued my research, I have come to realize that the question of how to eat ethically cannot be answered by a simple, I will or I won't eat meat. Besides, for too long, organized religion has recommended feasting when individuals would be better off fasting, and recommended fasting when, as individuals, we might be better off feasting. As Unitarian Universalists, we covenant to affirm and promote the interdependent web 
of all existence of which we are a part. Recognizing the interdependent web of our complex food system is perhaps the best place to start. In so doing, it's easy to see that there is no one corporate solution to ethical eating. However, to affirm and promote the interdependent web, we can vote with our dollars for healthier food choices in our grocery stores and restaurants. We can advocate for community gardens and locally grown produce. On the national level, we can endorse increased oversight of our food in industrial food production system. If you haven't already, I suggest you make a reservation for this some Saturday's harvest dinner. And if you want even more information and haven't already, I recommend the movie Food, Inc. and reading The Omnivore's Dilemma or In Defense of Food, as all three give a detailed account of where food, the food we eat comes from. Despite the complicated mess our food production system is in, and despite the conflicting reports about what is good and healthy to eat, I'm pretty sure there is one simple bit of wisdom that my grandmother, my great-grandmother, and Fanny Farmer knew that our modern society has forgotten. This is the final and most vitally important step in ethical eating, and is as simple as Michael Pollan suggests. Eat food, not too much, and mostly plants. Eat food, not too much, and mostly plants. Let us be thankful for the bounty and access we have to choose healthy foods and to eat and to strive each day for all creatures on the earth to be given those same choices.